as I've always maintained, view a drop in the market not only as normal, but as a great opportunity for you to buy at a lower price. Help is on the way. This is the Retirement Rescue Podcast with certified financial planner, Dan Capril. Well, welcome to another episode of the Retirement Rescue Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss an article that I came across in one of the financial advisor trade magazines. So this isn't something that you're likely to stumble across the normal media, um, but you can find it if you want. Uh, the, the website is called Think Advisor, so thinkadvisor.com, and the article is called How Stocks Performed After 11 Global Shocks. And in this article, the author, Janet Laveau, that's L-E-V-A-U-X, so if you can, if you want to look it up, you can find it, takes the time to examine a number of recent, uh, well, maybe not that recent, it goes all the way back to 1981 with the, uh, the Reagan shooting, and examines how these events affected investment markets. Now, I always talk about the fact that news is unpredictable and markets react to news. And of course, because of that, markets are unpredictable. Because if news is unpredictable and markets react to news, well, then by default, markets are going to be unpredictable. And when something completely unexpected happens, well, it's not unusual to see the markets react. And often, if not most of the time, react in a negative fashion. All right, so let's go back to the, the Reagan shooting that occurred in March of 1981. Now, one of the things I want to emphasize to you is that the when I talk the market, first of all, I'm talking the S&P 500. So I'm really just talking the large US stock market. But I also want to emphasize to you that just because the markets were up or down that year, doesn't necessarily mean it was because of this news event. So it's very important to keep in mind. There's such there's a difference between causation and correlation, which the media tends to get mixed up all the time. All right, now before I dive into this, I want to talk about the disclaimer. I am not your financial advisor, or maybe I am. But either way, what I'm about to share with you is information, education. And it's not intended to be advice for you. Now, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about it, and at which point we can maybe get into some specific advice. But please, what I'm about to share with you should be taken as information only. If you do want everyone to reach out to me, it's very simple. Just go to bookachatwithdan.com and you can schedule a 15-minute call with me and we can discuss how we may be of service to you if you're not already a client of ours. All right, so we're going to dive in, and let's start with the Ronald Reagan shooting. The Ronald Reagan shooting occurred on March 30th, 1981. The market reacted within 30 days. It was down 1%. So not that big. It was actually 0.9%, according to this article. In three months, it was down one8 In six months, it was down 14%. In 12 months, it was down 16%. Now. We were in recessionary times here. Uh, of course, as you may recall, shortly thereafter, the market started to move up considerably. But this was a bad economic period for us, which was the reason why 
Ronald Reagan got elected over Jimmy Carter. All right, here's another news event, which you may not even remember. 1984, the Continental Illinois Bank bailout. Continental Bank going under, and it was bailed out by the government. In the first month, the market was down 3%. At the end of 12 months, it was up 13%. So again, we, we saw uh, an immediate pullback and an expansion. The 1987 stock market crash, you may remember that. Um, I was rather young then. Well, not, I was 24 years old. I didn't really have any money in the market, so it really didn't matter to me. Uh, the market fell uh, 22% in one day that day. But amazingly, by the end of the month, it was up 8%. Now, the stock market crash really wasn't the news event that triggered the, the pullback. It had to do a lot with program trading. Um, but at the end of 12 months, the market was up 23%. So it would have been easy, I think, to, to look at that one day news and think, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And then, of course, it roared right back in a very short period of time. Next, we have Iraq's uh, invasion of Kuwait. Uh, that, I think, was a little unexpected. Market reacted by being down 8%. In three months, it was down 13.5%. In six months, it was only down 2.1%. One year later, it was up 10%. So here's the first military conflict. And the Iraqi invasion was a little more unexpected than what we are now seeing in Kuwait. It was pretty clear what Russia planned to do with Kuwait. It was just a matter of when. So the other thing that occurred with, with the Kuwait invasion was we were approaching another recession. Okay, the, we got the World Trade Crisis bombing. Now, there were sadly two bombings in the World Trade Center. We all know about 9-11, but you may recall that there was another attempt done on February 26 of 1993. Uh, the, the blind sheik, or sheikh, if you will, uh, was behind that one. And that was actually a motivation for them to, to try again, because they saw the World Trade Center as the symbol of the United States. The market did not respond in a very negative fashion. At the end of that month, one month later, the market was still up 1.7%. 12 months later, the market was up 4.7%. All right, let's take a look at another one she gives us here. The Asian financial crisis. Now, this one was huge because Asian stocks just plummeted. And what we saw was um, certainly in Japan, major, major declines. But here in the US, uh, after one month, the market was down 3%. Six months later, it was up 14%. Uh, 12 months later, the market was down though 1.5. So it was a little up and down. But hopefully what you're seeing here is a trend. What you're seeing here is a quick pullback. And then in most cases, recovery. Let's see, let me take a look at another one she gives. She gives us a lot of examples here. And I'm not going to go through all of them because I, I bore you because I'm really just trying to make a, a point here. All right, let, let's take a look at 9-11, for example, here. September 11th, 2001, one month after the World Trade Center was, was attacked, the market was down 0.2%. Now, the first day of trading, it was down quite a bit. But then, and I hate to use this metaphor, but it's true, the dust settled. And six months later, the market was up 6.7%. The start of the, uh, the Iraq war, which came after 9-11, of course, market was actually up one month later, 1.9%. 12 months later, it was up 26.7%. Uh, the Lehman Brothers collapse. Now, this one, 
you know, this was 2008. So we all remember that. And this did lead to a major, major drop from which the markets recovered. Six months after the Lehman Brothers crash, the market was up 34.8%. So there was an initial pullback, 16.3 in the first month, and then it came up 34.8%. All right. So again, news events such as this will typically trigger a reaction from the markets if they're fully unexpected. Now, right now, as I'm recording this, and I'm recording this on the, the 23rd of March of 2022, 2022, the, markets are, the large US stock market's down about 5%. It was down more than that when the war began, and now it's starting to tick its way back up. Again, the attack was not a surprise. What often will happen is you will get some sellers who are a little bit emotional, and they'll start selling things for, well, reasons of fear as opposed to logic. Now, we are certainly in an inflationary period right now. And as a result of the war, we are seeing oil prices go up, which is interesting because, well, it's expected. It's not really a supply and demand issue, though, as often politicians would have you believe. Gas prices have been on their way up ever since the administration started echoing you know, less than favorable opinions about fossil fuels. So the first day of the Biden administration, he canceled the Keystone Pipeline, which was kind of a waste of money because we already started it. And I'm sure it will get rebuilt. Someone's going to eventually build it. Uh, but he did that. And you started hearing a lot of negative sentiment towards fossil fuels. And as a result, we started to see oil prices rise, which I hate to say this, but that may have had an influence in Russia attacking Ukraine. Why? Well, at one point, not that long ago, a barrel was actually, of oil was actually trading under $2. Now, the Russians rely on oil for all of their economy, pretty much. Well, I shouldn't say all of it, but a significant part of it. They needed the price of oil to be over $100 a barrel for them to be able to wage what they're waging now. And they got it. So that was one of those unintended consequences. You try to be environmentally sensitive, price of oil rises, and now the, the Russians have the money that they need in order to fund this war. So how's all this going to affect you? Well, of course, there's no way to tell. Is it logical to assume that a war in Ukraine is going to keep the US stock market down? No, I don't think it's logical at all. Obviously, that war could expand. But wars don't necessarily mean that economies suffer, not if you're not in the one that's in the war. Now, obviously, if you have attack on US shores, you're going you're to see that. And I'm not trying to belittle the significance of, of this horrible, horrible events that is going on. It's terrible. All war is terrible. But what I want to emphasize to you, the listener, is it's easy to overreact to these things. And as I've always maintained, view a drop in the market, not only as normal, but as a great opportunity for you to buy at a lower price. I mean, right now, the cost of everything is high. But if stocks drop, well, that's one thing you're able to get at a value. So um, if you are interested more, again, you go to thinkadvisor.com. The article is how stocks perform after 11 global shocks. I've taken you through about six or seven of them. I think I've taken you through enough to kind of emphasize this point. All right. Now, I want to do a slight segue here. And I want to talk about a question that I got recently from one of you. 
This comes from uh, Bill in Overland Park, Kansas. And he was asking, when was the right time to take Social Security? Which is kind of a loaded question, because like many financial questions, the answer is, Bill, it depends. So let me give you a little bit of my insight. You can start taking Social Security as soon as age 62, and you can wait until age 70. If you take it at age 62, you're going to get less money every month than if you wait until age 70. The idea is to take Social Security, in my opinion, when you need it. Now, there's a considerable increase the longer you wait, roughly 8% every year. So the longer you wait, the more your monthly benefit's going to be. However, you have to live on something. If you're going to continue to work through age 70, well, then by all means, defer taking Social Security. There's no strategic advantage for you to take it. None. Wait. And then when the time comes that you're stopped and working and you then want to retire, you have a choice. Live off of your savings or receive your Social Security. You may still need to live off savings, but at least you'll be getting some of the benefit that you've been waiting so long to get, plus you've been contributing money to get now, some advisors will tell you to always defer to age 70. I do not agree with that. And the reason I, I don't agree is, first of all, when you die, your benefits stop. Best that you can do is leave your spouse the higher of the two checks. So if you defer to age 70, and God forbid you only live to age 74, you will not have come out ahead. You would have been better off taking it sooner. To me, the question is, when do you intend to stop working? When you decide to stop working, that's when you should seriously think about taking the benefit. Because if you don't, let's say you stop working at age 68 and you decide, I'm not going to take the benefit. Fine. But for the next two years, you have to live on something. That means you're going to live on your money. Well, the reason I'm not a fan of that is because you can leave your money to anybody you want, but you can't leave your Social Security benefit to anyone you want. So if you at least take your social security benefit, that is going to be less of your savings that you're going to be spending to live on. And a lot of people don't think of it that way. They just assume they're going to live to 87, 88, and they're going to come out ahead by waiting. You don't know that. The average person's not going to live that long. So it's not a clear cut answer as to how long you should, you should wait. I typically, again, say, when do you stop working and what's going to be a source of income? Now, having said all that, the one exception might be if you have a pension. If you have a pension that's going to pay you every month for the rest of your life and it's going to meet all your needs, that would be potentially a reason to defer the Social Security benefit. But again, there's a possibility you won't live long enough to come out ahead. Because it will. if you wait to age 70, it will take well over 10 years before you come out ahead by deferring. Yes, you'll get a higher check, but you will have received less checks. Now, this is an important decision to make with planning. And this is why you shouldn't make this decision without giving it a lot of serious thought, without some serious an analysis. And if you work with an advisor, this is something that they should be studying and assisting you with. All right. So if you have any more questions about that, feel free to reach out to me. Easiest way to do it, schedule appointment, book a chat with Dan.com. So that wraps up this month's episode of the Retirement Rescue Podcast. I want to thank you. We'll be back next month with another story in the news. We'll talk about how it relates to you, and how we can learn from it so we can plan our financial future. Have a great day.
Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been attained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a privacy policy statement, call 800-353-7923.